0: Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I did not intend on a Father's Day message, but as God would have it, Hebrews 11, part 4 here is about four fathers. You might have heard of them before. You ever heard of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, four fathers of the faith? Let's take a look, starting with, uh, if your Bibles are open Verse seventeen, verse seventeen, Hebrews chapter eleven. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Does that sound familiar? That passage right there, yeah. only begotten son. To whom it was said, Isaac, your seed in Isaac your seed. ...shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Let's pray again. Lord, we just ask for the ministry and work and leading of your spirit. Lord, remove me once again, as it were, from the equation that even I would be hearing from you as I'm speaking. Lord, just hearing from the Lord. Lord, open our eyes, soften our hearts. We want to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Lord, we don't want to hear about faith only. We want to walk in faith, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. So the writer of Hebrews focuses on here the founding father of Israel. You guys know who that is, right? His name was Abram, and he became, by God's choice, Abraham. But not just the founding father of Israel, but this family of faith. Four generations from Abraham to Joseph, father to great-grandson, referred to in the Bible as patriarchs. And we, we use that term today, the patriarchs. We have patriarchs in nations. We'll look at these four patriarchs in two groups, Abraham and Isaac, and then Jacob and Joseph, which is how the text is broken out here for the most part, how their lives are interwoven back in the book of Genesis. So if you're taking notes this morning, you see the title, four fathers of faith. Now, we could spell that F-O-R-E, forefathers that way, because they are forefathers. But here it really is, the number four. We're looking at four specific men, four fathers of faith. And we'll look at two works of faith that we've seen in their lives, we can look at in their lives. We're called by Christ to be overcomers. Would you agree with that? Overcomers. In a world of opposition, and these men became overcomers, and their life is a witness for us. And the first thing I want to take a look at this morning of the two things we'll look at sustained by faith, and second will be finishing by faith, this sustaining, this persevering, if you will. I remember reading on an Italian restaurant menu years ago, several years ago, real men do the hard things. There's an Italian immigrant. Uh, he had moved the United States, built a restaurant in San Francisco, and on the menu it said, Real men do the hard things. And I remind myself all the time when I'm craving soft and comfy. I will. I said, hold on, hold on. Real men do the hard things. Jesus called the apostles to hard things. The fathers of faith did hard things. Why am I craving soft and pillowy cotton candy stuff? I love the quote because if you're going to grow and make a difference, you're going to have to face difficulty. Those of you that are older, you know this is true, right? There's no avoiding difficulty. There's no avoiding mountains. You've got to go over them. And by the way, I think the same quote can apply to women. How about ladies? I think real ladies do the hard things. I have nothing but ladies in my house. If I don't teach them to do the hard things, I failed got a tough wife, though. She does the hard things, too. And so, no, it's not Mother's Day, but you ladies, same thing. But aside from the fact that more and more people try and avoid anything hard. You ever watch commercials? It's all about making your life super, super simple. Everything. we You won't even have to think anymore. Alexa will do it for you. Forget a phone book. Remember those things? They're like this big. You get that? Oh, it's too hard. It's heavy. Plus, it made a great booster seat for your kids, didn't it? Can't do that with Alexa. People try and avoid the hard things. Our entire economy and American dream is to make life as ultra comfortable as possible. No problems. How's that working out for us, by the way? We've been preaching this for like 40, 50 years, it doesn't look like it's working. God doesn't work that way, nor does he disciple us that way. I can rephrase the quote from a spiritual sense like this, real saints endure the hard things. Real saints endure the hard things. That's, I'm taking the Italian gentleman's menu quote there and applying it to us as believers. And not only endure them, but are made better, not bitter. We're tempted to become bitter about things, aren't we? I'm always tempted to become bitter about something. Lord, how did you let this happen to me? Why me? God says, are you better than Abraham? Why is his horn beeping? You know, just things like that, you know. You know online, you're not hearing what we're hearing here. It's a beautiful sound. It, it happens when someone sits on a key. and uh, Things that didn't happen in the 1950s car, when you just put it, you had to literally put a key in an ignition. Everything's electronic now. But we are to take the trials like the forefathers and become more resolved. By the way, we were looking in our family tree. We went back to Mayflower. I think one generation from Peregrine, one of the sons' name was Resolved. It was named Resolved. I said, what a cool name. One of the daughters' name was Mercy. I mean, those are the kind of things we need in our life. We need the resolve of the Lord. We need God's mercy in our life. Increasing faith God wants us to have, not fading faith. Our faith automatically fades. You know, like um, in the winter when you pump up your car tires, you know as soon as it gets cold what happens to the tires. They lose air no matter what. There's nothing you can do. They will lose air. Faith tends to just drain out of us. It has to be refilled on a regular basis. that makes sense? We have to be refilled with faith. It will just kind of dissipate unless God is breathing into our life. That's why we were singing about abiding. But God wants us to have an increasing faith, not a fading faith. Yes, we're going to have wobbles. We're going to have our worries. We're going to have some slip-ups. We're going to have some setbacks. Can I get an amen on any of that? Hey, some of you said, that was my week. You just described my entire week. wobble, setback, failure, whatever you call it, that was my week. But because of God's grace, didn't that word great, but because of God's grace, the work of faith in us, and we have the help of the Holy Spirit to breathe into us and to push us through those things. Ultimately, our faith grows and enables us to do things we could never dream of or never do in our own strength. You know Abraham thought, there's no way. I, Lord, when you called me out of Ur, I'm already an older man. How am I going to navigate deserts? You know, going from Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, all the way to where Canaan is, that's a very dangerous time to go for, from a standpoint of just heat and dehydration and all the things that were perilous. And God brought him through those many, many things. And I'm guaranteeing there's many times Abraham and Sarah are like, Lord, we can't take another day. And when are you going to send us our son Isaac? Well, they didn't know what his name would be. Remember, Isaac's name means Laughter. Sarah thought it was funny. I'm going to have a child. We've already covered that passage, but I'm just saying their whole life, step by step by step. Sometimes God calls you to something, you laugh too. You're like, this is funny, Lord. I am the wrong person for this. But it's a journey, and it's a journey on our road to what? We've been talking about sanctification, moving upward in faith. I've showed this diagram a few times. You're going to get it again because we're going to keep drilling this into our spirit, this is our path of life. This this is the path that all of us are called in. Again, it's not a straight line. Would you agree that your life has not been a straight line? No. It's got twists and turns, but we get saved. I, I added a box here. We've got justification. That's when we come to Christ. That's our salvation. But it's also, you could call that coming to faith. But then sanctification, this is my whole life. For me, this is from June 1995, June 1995 till 2020. That's all that in between. And my faith walk looks like this too. I believe it's trending up, but there's some valleys. And we're growing in the Holy Spirit, but this is now living by faith. Before Christ, you didn't live by faith. You lived by your street smarts, your education, you lived by Consumer Reports. You live by Wall Street Journal. You live by your education. You live by what your neighbor told you. You live by, you name it. And I'm not saying that those things don't play some role, but you filter them all now through what? The Word of God and faith. Faith. God will do things that, literally this morning, I had to, I got here a little later than normal, I had to go back and change. God told me to change clothes. I have no idea why. My wife and brother can tell you. They're like, what are you doing? I I felt like the Lord told me to change. I opened the word and he said, and he changed clothes. Literally, that's the verse the Lord gave me. (laughs) God will do things in your life that that make no sense to you. It's just God saying, are you tuned to my voice or not? That's all it is sometimes. It's just, are you tuned to my voice? Do you like my outfit? Isn't it awesome? No, I'm just... (laughs) It's a strange thing. I'm telling you that it's part of your sanctification is to hear the voice of God. And he'll, he'll have you do You ever had that? You know, Lord says, Just turn around here. Why? Why? And then you meet somebody. And you didn't know why. But that's living by faith. And then lastly, when we get to heaven, we're... In the family of faith. Now we're in the family of faith now, but it becomes real to us. We no longer, notice you don't live by faith in heaven. Your faith becomes sight. You now see everything, but you're in the family of faith. And so that is what God is doing in our lifetime. We're moving closer to the Lord spiritually, but you know, we're also moving closer to the Lord literally on a timeline. You're closer to meeting God now than you were when you got up this morning. So not only are you closer to God on a timeline, God wants you growing closer to him in a spiritual frame of mind in your heart. We're to be drawing near the Lord, becoming ever more. Now, when you draw near the Lord, guess what? You actually become more dependent on God, which we don't really like. We like independence, don't we? But we can become interdependent on one another, but ultimately dependent on the Lord. So we're drawing near, Lord. We're becoming more dependent. Just as we're closer than we were yesterday to being home with the Lord, we're now closer with the Lord as we grow in faith. But our entire life, God has ordained that we would be increasingly grateful of this gift right here, the word grace, that every day you say, Lord, thank you for grace, Thank you for grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham found grace. Isaac found grace. Jacob found grace. Joseph found grace. They couldn't endure. I mean, Joseph, we're going to get to Joseph, but his life is one of the hardest until he becomes all the way exalted. I mean, tough, tough trials. But you say, Lord, you've given me enough grace. Paul said, Lord, take away this thorn in my flesh. But then he said what? Your grace is sufficient. Sufficient. Whenever if someone says to you, "Hey, will this work?" and if, if you're talking to someone and they say, "Oh, it's sufficient. It, it, it'll cover everything." Is this going to be enough? It's going to be sufficient. But the word is a bigger word in the Bible. It doesn't mean the way we think. Sufficient to us means bare minimum. Not scripture. When when Jesus is sufficient, it's not bare minimum. It is lift up mountaintops sufficient. Do you see the difference? We think sufficient, oh, it's sufficient. No, 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 sufficiency of Christ is magnified, massive, lift up the entire earth type sufficiency. Big difference. But grace, we have to increasingly, that life of faith is to thank God for grace. So daily say, Lord, thank you for grace. The thanking God for grace builds our faith. Does that make sense? The more thankful you are, the more faith-filled you become. And you say, Lord, because you're gracious, I can be buoyed or steadied or strengthened in faith. Abraham's life exhibits this as an eternal example. Um, We're called the sons and daughters of Abraham, right? He was progressing in faith, and what he had passed on to his offspring uh, is for all of us to learn to persevere, to push forward. Pilgrim's progress, step by step, uh, and to trust God more for his faithfulness and what we also prayed for this morning, his forgiveness. Because you need forgiveness this morning for things you don't even know you need forgiveness for. So do I. We actually have blind spot sins that we are not even aware. If you were called, Sam for God, you would say, I didn't have any sin today. Jesus said, yes, you did. Let me show you. But his faithfulness and his forgiveness, and that's a work of his grace. We can't live by faith and grow in faith without either his faithfulness or his forgiveness. These are both things that only... You can't provide faithfulness and you can't provide forgiveness. You receive them. And you grow because of them. God's forgiveness and his help are always a work of his grace. I love this verse so much in Romans 4.16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be of, here's the word again, grace, so that it may be of grace and may be guaranteed to all of whose offspring? Paul speaking here, the Apostle Paul, he could have, he said, Abraham's offspring. He's not just talking about Jewish people, because he says, not only those who are of the law, that would be the Jewish nation, but also those who have the? Faith, you see where grace and faith go hand in hand? Grace comes to you and allows you to exercise faith. God says, I will forgive you if you, where does does faith come in? Jesus said, you're going to have to believe in me. But the grace is, I already died for you, now you have to believe me. Or the grace is, I have called you, do you believe me? Will you obey Abraham? Abraham said, yes, I will go. And Jesus said to me, as I talked about last Sunday, will you go forward and accept me as your Lord, Lord and Savior? I said, yes, I will. The grace called me, and then I had to exercise that step of faith. All those who have faith, the faith of Abraham, he is the what? Father of us all. We see even in the, literally in paradise and hell on one side, the golf fixed between, uh, the man looked up and he saw who? Abraham. Lazarus was in his bosom. In other words, from salvation through our, our entire life and for all of time, um, Christ brings the whole family of faith home for eternity. The whole family of faith will come home at some point together. But until that time, each person one by one has to receive grace and exercise faith. And then each person that receives the grace of God and walks by faith, Abraham's journey becomes your journey. Not literally the same path, but spiritually the same path. Does that make sense? That spiritually you have a path to take from Ur to Canaan, or from wherever you were born. Me was from Annapolis where I was born, Annapolis, Maryland. Miami, Charlotte, Richmond. With you lovely people now. <laughs> Part of the journey. We're, we're, now we're in this journey together. Because uh, after a while, Abraham, it wasn't just Abraham and Sarah. They had a little crew eventually. And, they, you know, they, they, he had... Remember, he even took on some kings. He had a whole group of servants, and uh, God had grown the family, but we'll all have a journey. And by that, I mean trials of faith, new steps of faith, paths we've never been down before. We don't like new paths, do we? They're kind of scary. You know, we haven't seen uh, places of what's around the bend kind of thing. We have all those over the years. I never remember what, you know, when, uh, when we didn't have kids, I'll never forget how our heart was pounding going to the hospital for, for Sarah to have our first child. And, and then we had the baby in the car seat driving home, like, what do we do? Are we qualified for this? This is like a real, I mean, we have two cats. And if, they, if things go wrong with them, it's not that big a deal in a scheme of things. But what, this is a real living human being do we, are we qualified to bring this person home and guarantee that they'll still survive? <laughs> I mean, I would never, I remember the thinking, you know, you, it didn't matter how smart you thought you were or, re, it's like when you're confronted with real life and you got to make sure that you're providing, you do it right and. But it's just a microcosm. Life is that way, right? It just keeps being, it's one thing after another. And the patriarchs all had things they didn't didn't see coming. If we're saved, we're still, uh, but if we're saved here, and, and if you're still, while you're saved, if you're still working really hard to avoid living by faith in your life, God is telling you it's time to stop. Stop trying to avoid Living by faith. Trying to make your life so well planned, so comfortable. I'm talking to you online as well. Those of you that are sitting at home, this is for all of us. If you're trying to make your life so well planned, so comfortable, so protected that faith isn't even needed, you're missing the work of grace and the gospel. Grace and the gospel is not that you would make your life so insulated. We have everything. We have everything covered. Not a single thing. We have put a bubble over our life. And God, by the way, in our nation, God's going to burst some bubbles. He's already bursting some bubbles. But if we say we'd ever ask to be in a bubble, then we're set free from all of that. And we can live by faith as a response to grace. And it's not being beat into submission, it's Submitting, saying, Lord, thank you for grace. I don't, anything I get is but a gift from you anyway. And Abraham, remember when he prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah? As messed up as Sodom and Gomorrah was, what did he pray about himself? He said, I am just dust and ashes. Do you see the difference? Sodom and Gomorrah says they were full of pride. They didn't think they were dust and ashes. They thought they were amazing. Sound familiar? The power of pride. This is Pride Month. Uh, Our nation's full of pride. And so Abraham was a man who thought of himself as nothing, and he actually became the father of faith. The more humble we are, the more God will breathe peace into you, joy into you. All the things you're trying to get with insulating your life, you'll never achieve. This is why Hollywood lives at the Betty Ford Clinic, right? They have everything. They have the black American Express card. You know the black card? It's like only, that, that's where Amex reaches out to you and says, you are now an elite club. It's, it's, it's LeBron James and Jennifer Aniston and all these other people that are A-listers. You get the black card. But they can't buy peace and happiness, can they? Amen. Amen. No. If you're still trying to not live by faith, it won't work. And God, if you belong to God, he won't allow it. He will bring you to a place of living by faith. Now, we're, uh, if we read back in chapter 10, it says the just will live by faith. The just will live by faith. Nobody needs to exercise faith if their life is problem-free and obstacle-free. If you have no problems, no obstacles, you don't need faith. Does that make sense? You do not need faith. If everything's easy, no big deal, everything comes to me exactly the way I outlined it. Uh, I used to be a really big, I, I like all kinds of music, but um, one of the music I like over the years is country music. Back in the early 2000s, he's still around, country star Kenny Chesney had an album in 2002 called No Shirt, No Shoes, No Problems. No shirt, no shoe, no problems. This is, uh, you know, this is, uh, on HGTV, this is called Island Life, right? Island Life. I just want to be on an island Sipping a drink, watching the sunset, and no problems whatsoever. I don't need faith. I don't need anything. It's everyone's dream in America now to find this kind of happy place. But God shows us in the Word, no test, no problems, no trials, no faith. It's kind of the opposite, isn't it? If God was was creating an album, it would say, instead of no shirt, it would say, uh, problems, trials, tests, and faith. Faith is needed to come through tough things and difficult things. Who allowed Job to be tested? God did. Who allowed Peter to be tested? God did. God the Father did. Who tested Abraham with his very son Isaac? He waited years for Isaac, and it says here that he tested him. So God says, all right, Abraham, you finally have this son. He's about 17 years of age. I want you to go sacrifice him. By the way, this was not unusual in the Canaanite culture. They they sacrificed children to please their gods, usually younger. But now God was never going to do this. You guys all to understand that God wasn't really going to let him do this. He was testing to see, did Abraham believe that after all the trials, all the waiting, all of the years, that Abraham, After all that, now I want you to give the best gift I've ever given you right back to me. And by the way, this this principle will happen. When we get to heaven and we get crowns, guess what we're going to do with them? We're going to throw them right back at the feet of Jesus. You will not take your crown and hide it. I earned this. You won't do that. That is your attitude as a human on earth that you fight against. In heaven, you'll have a pure heart, and instead of taking the crown... And put it in your pocket. You'll immediately say, "You deserve this, not me." Now, when we get a bonus, we say, I, "Darn right, I deserved it. I did the best work of the company." <laughs> Instead, you'll actually say, "No, he deserves it." So that this principle, God will always have us give back what belongs to Him, which is everything. Uh-huh. What's amazing is you know the story. Abraham says, Isaac, we're going on a journey. We're going to go up on the mountain and worship. Uh, Isaac's like, uh, I see you, I see me, I see wood, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's like, God will provide for himself one, patting him on the head. You know, <laughs> God's going to provide a sacrifice. It's going to be you, but uh, you know, he didn't say that. But they go up and they, I, Isaac uh, shows a lot of faith too. He lays down on the altar and trusts his father and he's trusting his heavenly father because he's seen the faith of Abraham lived out and he's trusting his father, ultimately trusting his heavenly father. And it's a picture of who laying down? Because the father asked the son. The only, it says in the text here, only begotten son. He lays down just like Jesus. And But Abraham exercises this great faith and says... In his heart, we don't know it. It's not listed in Genesis, but the writer of the Hebrews is given a special revelation with the Holy Spirit and says, Oh, by the way, it's not documented in Genesis, but Abraham believed that I could raise Isaac from the dead. Abraham believed that the whole time. Boy, when you get Abraham's faith was not always as strong. Remember, he lied a couple times about who Sarah was. But he had noticed how his faith, remember the, the, the stock ticker we showed? In the sanctification process, his faith was becoming stronger. And now he really believed, Lord, if I have to sacrifice Isaac, you can raise him in an instant. And not only he could, he believed, that, look at the text. It says, "It says, because it said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called, not might be called, not it's possible, it could be another son. He knew that it had to be who? It had to be Isaac. So therefore, he's like, if Isaac is sacrificed, you're gonna raise him. I want to have that kind of faith, don't you? Don't you want to have that kind of faith? Say, Lord, this week, this year has not gone well, but I believe you're gonna do something great. We've had two people saved here in the last week. In the midst of all this, yeah, a couple. Of, yeah, you can give God a hand for that. But what's amazing about Abraham's faith, it's grown so much, he doesn't flinch at this command. He says, all right. Isaac doesn't run. Neither of them complain. They don't run. They don't don't try and get away. They don't get angry with God. I've seen people that have had bad things happen in their life tell me, I won't talk to God for the rest of my life. I've had people literally say, I'm so angry with God. But Abraham doesn't do that here, does he? And you and I can't either. No, by the Holy Spirit we know that he fully expected God to raise his son from the dead. And it was a foreshadow of what? The cross of Calvary and the empty tomb. All this was foreshadowing. Abraham had to live out a picture of Jesus, of God the Father and the Son, and it was all part of the providence of God. God wants you to live things out that are part of the providence of God. And me too, even when they're really uncomfortable, and trust me, a lot of it's really uncomfortable. We know that. But by God's grace and help, our growing faith sustains us, and it strengthens us in our weak and fearful flesh. Everyone here has both those problems, weak flesh and fearful flesh. But God says, I will breathe faith into you. In Proverbs 24.10, it says, If you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? God doesn't want us to fall. He will not allow your foot to stumble or slip. Or falter. Keep your eyes on the Lord. And how again, how about Isaac? He showed that tremendous faith in submitting to his father. He had come to observe in his dad, day after day, he saw the faith of Abraham so that he trusted God and his father, because he knew his dad was led by God. Dad, if you want your kids to follow Christ, if you want them to love and trust you, you need to love and trust Christ as true disciples. They'll see and follow your authenticity. They'll also follow your hypocrisy. Or they'll follow your authenticity. I didn't say perfection. Remember, we talk about this all the time. He never says, well done, good and perfect servant. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. I know who faithful people are. I don't ever expect them to be perfect, nor should they expect me to be perfect. But we know what faithfulness looks like. God will honor. If you're walking as a faithful disciple, your children will see it. Isaac saw it in Abraham. Jacob would see it in Isaac. Joseph would see it in Jacob. Isaac, when he was a father, uh, it, last point here on Isaac, says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. But by the time Isaac was an older man and he was to bless his sons, he didn't understand why God had reversed the birth order. God does things sometimes we don't understand. He reversed the birth order. But, by the way, Moses was younger than Aaron, but Moses was called to be the one that God would speak face-to-face with. That's a reversal of the birth order. God sometimes says, (laughs) David was the youngest. It should have been David's older brothers, right? But no, God says it's going to be the young one. And Isaac had come to realize that God's ways don't, his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher. He doesn't always, well, the, the rule book says, God's like, I write the rule book. God's like, you don't need to inform me of the birth order. I was the one that did the whole thing. And so he blessed, and it was Jacob that received the blessing of the older in spite of Jacob conniving his way. It would have come that way anyway. But Isaac understood, and he exercised the faith of God and said, no, no, this is God's way. It's going to be this birth order. The second... And the only other point we want to look at is finishing by faith. We looked at sustaining or sustained by faith, but also finishing by faith. Uh, These next two patriarchs, uh, verse 21 and 22, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons, uh, sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. And by faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. These next two patriarchs, the the grandson and the great-grandson of Abraham are mentioned in reference. In both cases, it's mentioned of these men near the end of their lives. Notice what it says: "By faith Jacob, when he was dying, verse 21; by faith Joseph, when he was dying." In both cases, it's mentioning them as it relates to the very end of their life. I think there's an important thing to see: by both men are mentioned at the point of finishing their life, finishing their course. Saints, God wants us to finish well. Do you believe that? Not just live and be sustained by faith like Abraham and Isaac. And obviously Abraham and Isaac finished well as well, but these two are mentioned in their dying breaths. They were faithful to the end. And to finish with an active and a visible faith. And the only way that happens is to live daily by faith. You can't all of a sudden the last second, I would become a man of faith in my final hours. No, it's lived out in the trudgery, in the mundane, in the monotony, in the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of life. As believers and followers of Christ, it's not only the will of God that we grow and live by faith, but just as I said from the outset, God wants us to impart and to pass faith on to who? The next generation. I want my daughters to live by faith. I want your kids to live by faith. I want your grandkids to live by faith, that we would impart faith. And again, this isn't just for fathers, mothers, grandmothers. All of us need to impart faith, but we can't impart what we're not exercising. It's not do as I say, not as I do. No, it's do as I do, that we would impart faith. Abraham walked it out and he passed it to Isaac. Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Joseph, and even Joseph to Ephraim and Manasseh who would be his sons that would become two of the 12 tribes. Joseph gets two tribes. All the other brothers get one. Joseph gets two, a double portion. And by the way, he was a younger son too. Uh, If our faith is active and genuine, our kids are going to know it. Amen to that? They're going to know if it's genuine, and our kids will follow that genuine faith. Train up a child in the ways you go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. It's a proverb. It's something you can lean upon. They'll come to know a confidence and a courage that's rooted in not you, but rooted in a limitless God. Abraham didn't think he could raise Isaac. He knew God could raise Isaac. And so they'll have a courage and a confidence. They'll say, man, if my parents believe that, See, that's what the patriarchs passed to their sons and what Jacob and Joseph passed to an entire nation. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm... Anyone knows me somewhat, I should say. If you know me somewhat, you have known me. I'm a big fan of football. I love special forces. And I really like lions. I like lion documentaries. I like all that kind of stuff. And why? Well, I love teamwork. And I love... Courage, I love tenacity. And working together, big things are possible. Do you believe that when people work together as a team, big things are possible? God called them to be the 12 what? Tribes. Not one. The, the patriarchs were four that became millions. Big things are possible. And by the way, my appreciation, I'm speaking to everyone along to my appreciation for lions is supported by the Bible. I just want to let you know that. Uh, and so with special forces. David and his mighty men, they were awesome. They did nighttime operations and everything. Football I can't find in the Bible. But uh, <laughs> special forces, David and his mighty men, lions. Lions are mentioned over 100 times in the Bible. Um, so I know it's, it's supported. And, um, but uh, back to lions for just a minute. Um, this is Notch. I'll take a picture here. All right? I'll show you a picture. This is Notch and his sons. I have an arrow pointing to Notch. He was a bad dude, by the way. Um, they were, Notch was a legendary lion of the Masai Mara uh, there in Africa. And um, this, uh, this father and his sons, um, not only, again, were lions found in the Bible, um, Jacob's son, I'll get back to Notch in just a second, but Jacob's son was Judah, which would become what? was named the, the Lion Tribe. And Jesus would be called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So Judah was the Lion Tribe. Jesus would be the Lion of the tribe of Judah according to what? The very prophecy that's mentioned here when it says, and Jacob when he's dying leaned on his staff and blessed his son, that's in Genesis chapter 49. That's where Jacob tells Judah you became the Lion Tribe. It's in that, this same blessing is when Judah becomes the lion tribe which will set in line the bloodline for Jesus to be not only the Lamb of God but also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He had to be the Lamb first but then he'll come upon the earth as a roaring what? A lion. He'll come with great force. Kind of like you've seen Aslan in, in uh, the um, Chronicles of Narnia. But this blessing is in chapter 49 and not only would Jesus later become the lion of the tribe of Judah, the furnishings in the temple include engravings of lions where Solomon put on some of the, um, the furnishings itself. The steps of up to Solomon's throne had 12 lions, six on each side. And they would line the steps so as you went up the step. What was interesting about that is Solomon is from, like David, the tribe of Judah. So David and Solomon were from the lion tribe, But the steps up, instead of having the symbols of all the tribe, they were all folded into 12 lions. In other words, that everyone becomes part and parcel of the authority of the kingdom. And later we'll become, the Bible says, kings and priests unto our God. We become folded into the authority, the the regal, the monarch. Although Jesus is the king, we become kings and priests of him. So we're kind of folded in. Does that make sense? And so Solomon had that kind of outlined as you come up. Um, the stairs. The tribes were individual, but they were unified. But um, back to, notch for just a second here. Um, This lion here, uh, he was kicked out of, uh, He, he, him and another uh, male lion had taken over a pride. His partner got killed. He was pushed out by the invading lions. So he was now a nomad, which is a death sentence if you're a lion. And here he is sitting out there uh, for a couple of years. But his sons also got pushed out. And very oddly, he raised them. And they became, all five of them over 500, his sons were even bigger than him. They became about 550 pounds each. And they, they became such a strong force When you have five and six, he actually had another son too, not pictured here, but five or six male lions that are five to 550 pounds, they hunt anything they want. They took down hippos like it was no problem on a regular basis. They ruled for much longer than normally. It was 10 to 15 years, and they took over seven different prides because their combined strength made them an, an, an indomitable force. And so... As believers, we're called to be as bold as a lion. Did you know that? The Bible says that. We're called to be, I'm speaking to the dads here, we're called to be as, but everyone, uh, ladies as well, we're called to be as bold as a lion, not just called to be bold, but to actually be bold. Not just called to be bold, but to actually be bold. Why? Because lions, even one-on-one, are quite bold. They think they can take on just about anything. God's put it in their DNA that they're very, very courageous. I mean, they'll fight to the death, each other, for territory, whatever. Um, Our boldness, though, our boldness only comes from our trust in God. Your boldness in yourself will fail. Our boldness comes from a a faith in God. Now, understand, uh, like I said, lions are very bold as individuals, very courageous even as individuals, but as a team or as a pride, Or in the case of a coalition, it's a force multiplier. You put one male lion, you can do a lot of damage. You put five that are 550 pounds, and they become increasingly strong because they eat really well when they're that. uh, uh, Lots of protein in that diet. Uh, uh, But um, again, this, this lion pushed out. That would have been a death sentence. But his sons were with him. And he taught them how to fight. He taught them how to navigate, and they became even bigger than him. And I think about this um, with Jacob. As a young man, he was driven out of Canaan, wasn't he? Jacob was driven out of Canaan. Out, and why did he leave? I was out of fear. But he comes back to Canaan someday with a tribe, and he's powerful, and he's got his sons, and even the cities there were kind of worried, and his sons... Needed to get saved, because they were actually a little too fierce for a while, if you read some of the stories about Jacob's sons. But again, he came back to his homeland by faith, and eventually God made him a mighty family. Even though he was cast out by himself for a while, he ran in fear he becomes a mighty nation by the work of God. And his son Joseph would become what? a monarch. His son Joseph would ascend to second in power, only to Pharaoh. Uh, but even by the time Pharaoh gets to meet the whole family, Pharaoh wants to meet Jacob, the older man. He says, I want to meet your dad. I kind of like not cheer. God called one man, Abraham, to raise many sons and daughters that would live by faith. And we're called to walk in faith and impart our faith and to make disciples... And to grow together, you see the force of five here. Dad, you're not supposed to be doing it alone. Many of you men still are not in Bible studies or not in fellowship with other men. It's time you stop being a lone ranger. That's a death sentence for a male lion. And I believe it's a death sentence for a believer to be all by yourself. We're called to walk in faith and we're called to become as bold as a lion, but also have the teamwork of lions. You have the 12 tribes and 12 disciples, right? Jesus called them to be a group, to be a fellowship. Solitary lions and solitary Christians are vulnerable and will be defeated eventually if you're solitary, if you're a lone ranger. If not by choice, uh, Joseph didn't choose to be alone. He got sent to his own Isle of Patmos, if you will. He didn't choose to be alone. He got cast out. But God, now, if if you don't choose to be alone, God will sustain you like John or Joseph. Amen? It's when you're choosing to be alone, that's a different story. If God allows you to be isolated, he'll keep you, like Elijah as well. I mean, so if that happens, God will keep us. But the bottom line is we're called as fathers to be in fellowship, as men to be in fellowship. Jesus is the source of your sh- faith and strength. And even in those times when you are alone, you're really not alone. That's good to know. It's good for me to know. There's times where, where you're going to have to be solo. By the way, even in male lions, they patrol territory and they'll sometimes fan out. And y- you better be big and strong because you have sometimes where you will encounter things and you don't have the backing. But you're that much stronger because of all the prior time together. And so. We will have times we're alone, but we're not alone because Jesus is still with us. And yet he's called and commanded you and I as men and as fathers to be in fellowship. Faith building as a team. It's a team sport, our building in faith. And I'm speaking to all the men that that God wants us to be knitted together. And it says in 1 John 2.14, speaking of kind of this unity of men growing in faith together. Look at it with me. And 1 John 2, 14, I write to you fathers because you have known him from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong, is it the, the younger lions, if you will, and the word of God lives in you. You've overcome the evil one, but you see that the fathers in the faith and the young men in faith are to grow together. This is the same with the ladies, too. The book of Titus talks about that the women, the older women and the younger women growing in faith together, and so there's... This continuation in the Bible saying, hey, you've been born into a family that you are not anymore, just kind of out on your own on an island. One chapter back in Hebrews 10.25 it says, not giving up meeting together as the, as, as the manner of some but all the more gathering together as you see the day approaching. This is harder with the coronavirus, I get that. But you still can gather in different ways, you still can say, hey, we're going to have a conference call, or we're going to join the study on the Zoom call, or we're going to come and spread out like you guys have here today, or we're going to make sure we're not just going to stay home on Sunday and watch Netflix. We're actually going to watch the service together. We're going to stay in fellowship. We're going to stay in the Word of God. The sons of Jacob, for a while, the sons of Jacob for a while did not follow their father's faith. You guys all know that story, right? For a while, the sons were uh, Jacob was like this for a while with his sons. He was faced, you know, he's like For a while, Jacob's sons followed Jacob's younger years of rebellion. And for a while they followed, "Well, dad, your younger years, we need to have some so wild oats days just like you did." And they did follow that, but he did end up being a man of faith. And for a while there was some sin and the family was divided, but So much so, they even sold their own brother. I mean, that's just a horrific thing that they did. But Jacob stayed the course. And I'm talking to you parents, whether your mom's at it, stay the course. Jacob stayed the course. He stayed the course. He kept believing in God. And eventually, his young lions came to their senses. And they became a coalition. They became a tribe. They even were forgiven by Joseph and all were united. Isn't that great? They they came to their senses. They became unified. They became one. And when he thought his son Joseph was dead, this is Jacob, he thought his son Joseph was dead, Jacob could have become really angry at God and just walked away. But he didn't. We don't see those gap years in his life, but we do see a clue in verse 21. It says, "And Jacob worshiped. Leaning on the top of his staff. That clue, I believe it's a clue that his whole life he kept worshiping. This week when things are not right, keep worshiping. Stay the course, just keep worshiping. Jacob kept the faith and eventually each of his sons, in spite of his early failures, and parents, if you are feeling guilty about your early failures, you just got to leave it at the cross. In spite of his early failures, they became men of faith. They became unified and they would become the tribes of Israel. The travail became worth it. The travail became worth it. G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Real saints choose, say, Lord, I'll I'll endure the hard stuff. I know this is, the, the Pilgrim's Progress, you read the book, it's not an easy path. But you say, where, like Peter, Lord, to where else will we turn? It's not a ch- We can't go back to the world again. There is no promise to Jacob's grandfather birthed a nation uh, in his sons, and Joseph, whose faith allowed him to endure 13 years of slavery and servanthood, and in prison, God miraculously, miraculously raises him to the right side of Pharaoh. This is Joseph, Jacob's son. And he died with the witness that he said, hey... You're all going to leave here someday and take my bones with you. This is not my home. Egypt is a picture of the world, and it's a picture of bondage. He knew that God would deliver his people from the world, and God would deliver his people from bondage. Fathers, do you live a life that your kids know this world is not your home? Do your kids know this world is not your home? Do they know you've been delivered from bondage? Are you pointing them to the freedom that's found only in Christ? Do, you, do they see you living and growing in faith and a sustaining grace that's helping you run with endurance? Look at what Jesus himself says about the patriarchs and how it relates to heaven, Matthew eight eleven. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. They're already there. Dads, are you living in such a way that you're going to someday sit down with the patriarchs and talk to them just as you would talk to your own family? Say, tell me about those prison years, Joseph. How did your faith grow there? How did you not get angry at God? Because I missed my opportunity to do that. Now I'm here now, you know, but Jesus said, are you ready? Are you ready for the finish line, whenever that may be? Will your sons and daughters have your life as a witness to follow, will they be able to say, I can see that my parents stayed the course. If so, keep pressing forward. If not, make the corrections to live by faith and start trusting in God. The just will live by faith. As a matter of fact, we're talking about the forefathers' faith. That verse is mentioned four times in the Bible. Habakkuk, Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, four times it says the just will live by faith faith. Just like the four fathers, four statements here, the same passage. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just come before you now, and we ask again that you would be gracious to us. Help us to live by faith, to grow in faith. Lord, I pray that each and every father here would make that commitment to say, Lord, I don't want to pursue soft so planned that I don't even need faith. But, Lord, say, Jesus, I'm here to be your disciple, to abide in you and to live by faith. We ask, Lord, that you would bless and grow us, and we would be grateful for your grace and take these steps of faith that only happen with the Spirit working in us and through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.